preparing for a good one today. Relationships are more important than being right. And we're in this series of value of Ohana. And boy, if you think about it, there's many times where we've gotten into such brawls in our families that years later, we have no clue what we were fighting about. You might have gotten into a fight last night with one of your family members. And today you're wondering what... Now, don't try and bring it up. Don't try to think, okay, what did we fight about? Because that would be not good. But even the things that we fight about, we forget about. Because relationships are more important than being right. If you're here this morning for the first time, we have a bulletin that has some notes in there and you can follow along. And as we're in this series, The Value of Ohana, we want to look at what does God see for the family? Because we are all in a family. We all have a family. Some of us come from a wonderful family. Some of us come from a dysfunctional family. And even dysfunctional families are fun, aren't they? After the years go by and you look back and you have all these stories. But God wants us to understand what it means to be a part of family. Because God himself sent his one and only son, a member of his very own family, in the hopes that we would connect with him through Jesus Christ. That Jesus, being God's one and only son, paid the price for us. And anyone who believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can be right in the things that we do and say, and even in the things we argue about, but if the relationship is not going well, what good is that? What good is being right if the relationship is dead? It reminds me of the guy who was, who was always looking for the law. He looked for what was right in the land, and he would look for all the laws that he could live by, that would prove other people wrong. In fact, one of the laws he found out was when you are in a crosswalk, you have the right of way. And so he would just walk in the crosswalk. He wouldn't even look at traffic. He would just walk in the crosswalk. And cars would just... And they would yell their things. And, and he would just look at them and say, I'm right, I'm right, and you're wrong. And he would keep walking. And it was true. Well, one day, I guess someone didn't see him. And, and next thing he knows, he's standing before God. And he's like looking at God and God is saying, what are you doing here? He said, well, I don't know. I was, I was in a crosswalk. I was right. And I guess a car hit me. He said, yeah, a car hit you. What are you doing in the crosswalk? He said, well, well I, I, I can walk in the crosswalk, right? Yeah, but you got to look for cars. No, but I'm right. I'm right in the crosswalk. He said, yeah, you might be right, but you're dead right. <laughs> and I thought we can, be, we can be right in our own eyes, but we're dead right relationships are more important than being right we ruin relationships from a father to son or daughter to father husband to wife brother and sister mom and dad children to parents co-workers extended family in-laws step parents siblings we i mean you can it goes across the board with relationships and God wants us to be people who we don't look at necessarily what people are doing wrong or what we're doing that is right. But how can we be people who understand the principles of God, the principles that Jesus lived by in understanding relationships? In your notes, the Bible says it like this. In he, excuse me, Luke 23, 34, Jesus is speaking this on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus himself on the cross, he didn't look at what we were doing wrong, even though he was right. 
He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. This principle of not knowing what they do can be the one principle that can save our marriages, that can save our relationships, that can even save our very own families. Now here's the principle in which Jesus spoke at the cross, and it's found in Romans 12, 18. And it says, If possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Even Jesus himself found the possibilities of making relationships right with God. He gave his very own life. And sometimes we look at a a place in our life and we say, well, there's no possible way. But there is a way. You see, when we die to ourselves, other people live. In your marriages, when you die to yourself, your spouse lives. When we as parents die to ourselves, our kids live and thrive. Otherwise, if we just stay to ourselves in what we're right about, and we just say to ourselves, oh, I'm right, I'm right. You know what actually happens? We we develop a heart of pride, and arrogance sets in, and we become like the Pharisees that Jesus talked about. They knew about the law, but they never practiced it. They saw that they were right, and everyone else was wrong. And you actually develop a prideful spirit. Here's the scary part. When we develop pride and arrogance, we don't even know it. Because we surround ourselves with people that agree with us. Not necessarily love us with truth. They'll agree with us. And so now we have this other kind of people or family that agree with us. That only cause division. It happens in our workplace, it happens in our families, it happens in relationships, it even happens in church and ministry. When we develop the kind of spirit that says, I'm right, you're wrong, then pride sets in and we don't even know it. Well, how can we be people then that break that? Because every one of us can have the kind of relationship that we always wanted by understanding the principles that Jesus lived by. He lived by such godly principles that... And he didn't look at whose fault it was. Can you imagine if Jesus could, could live by our faults and him proving that we were wrong? I mean, what kind of relationship would that be? But Jesus himself said, Father, they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. While he was on the cross, while he was dying. You know what Jesus was doing? In fact, the book of Hebrews says it like this, and it's not in your notes, but... But for the joy that was set before him, talking about Jesus Christ, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Because Jesus understood the bigger picture. He knew that at that time, he was was paying the price, not just for those who were existing at that time, but he was paying the price of sin for all of mankind from the beginning of creation to the end of the earth. He said, I will pay it all. He understood the long haul. For us who are parents and, and uh, even as children and, and grandparents or people who have uh, in, in the workplace, can we understand this principle? And we're going to go through a couple of them. And the first one is this, to think the long haul. Think the long haul. And you can write that in your first point. Think the long haul. Because there are certain issues and arguments that we will never ever remember. And we break relationships apart because of them. 
but we'll never remember them because that's, that's small compared to the long haul in the relationship. There's just certain small issues that are not worth the slow decay of a broken relationship. Whether it's in your marriage, your family, or at work. Relationships are far more important than being right. I've learned something that has helped me in, in, um, in going clothes shopping with Heidi. Uh, I would dread those days when she would say, Oh, can you come with me shopping? Now, when she asked that, I can't say no, because if I say no, then it's, it's almost like disheartening, like I don't want to spend time with her. It's not that I don't want to spend time with her. I don't want to spend all day shopping for clothes and then leave with nothing. And she would go shopping and, and she would look on all these different racks and I'm thinking, just pick one. Just pick one. And, and you know, I, I don't know if you do this, but hopefully I'm not giving away the men's secret. The wife would say, so what about this shirt? i say, beautiful. <laughs> that shirt is like the greatest. It matches you, your whole outfit. She goes, really? Ah, I'll try it on. I said, good, good, try that one on. And then she would try it on, come back and say, no, it doesn't match my shoes. I need to buy shoes. I said, no, 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 you don't need to buy shoes. You, you need, just need to wear that. You, you match. Then she would look for other clothes and maybe four hours later she finds another one. And then as time goes on, I'm dying. And I'm in there just dreading clothes shopping. And then when we're done, she gets whatever she needs to get. And then the next week, oh, there's a sale. You want to come with me? <laughs> I don't want to. But I've learned this after time. You know what is so fun? Is helping her shop. It's so fun. Because now I understand what she's thinking. You know what she's looking for? She's looking for a certain style. Men, that's what they're looking for. A certain style. Sure, they're looking for the best price, but they're looking for a certain style. Now, you know what helps me in that situation? When, my, when I'm lost and I don't know where my wife is. You know if you get separated? Because I know exactly where she's shopping. If she's at Macy's, she'll look for Inc. Or, or Styling Company and she will be at the clearance rack. You look for anything that is half off, she's there. So it actually helps me in getting to know my wife. So husbands... Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, that you die for her shopping. <laughs> but there's a principle there. I'm not saying that now, husbands, you have to go with your wives and go shopping, because some of your wives don't want you to go. <laughs> but there's a principle there. And Jesus lived by this principle. He lived by the principle of when I die, others live. When I die to my selfish ways, others thrive. But you might, thinking, oh, you might be thinking, okay, well, well what do I do when, when, um, when like, people just run me over? Like, do I just become a welcome mat? Let me tell you something, the strength of God and the wisdom of God. When you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says that He will exalt you in due time. There's a strength that comes when we think the long haul and we humble ourselves before God. That we're saying that it's not about this one issue right here. It's about the entire relationship. Even as kids. When our kids go through their, you know, their mistakes. I remember my son was, he was 17 years old and he came home late. And he would come home early always. He would always come home on time. Well, this one time he came home a half an hour after he was supposed to be at home. And so we're waiting and I'm about to go to bed. And, you know, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and, and nothing. 
And so finally we were about to go to bed and then we hear him come home. And then, and then he comes to our room and he says, Dad, I'm home. I said, okay, just, I'm glad you're home. And he goes, um, am I in trouble? I said, uh, should you? <laughs> and he said, um, well, I don't know. And I said, do you think you need to be uh, punished? And he goes, um, this is this a trick question? I said, no, it's, I'm just asking. And he said, um, maybe. <laughs> so I said, I said, you know what? Go to bed. You're fine. We can talk about it tomorrow. He goes, okay. He leaves the room. And he comes back. But am I in trouble? I said, I, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I said, here, here, here's the deal. Number one, I'm glad you're home. Number two, I'm glad you called. He actually called before he came home. I said, I'm glad you called before you came home. And then the third thing, I'm, I'm just glad that you let us know where you were. And that you're honest, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, we can talk about it tomorrow. You're fine. You're fine. Go to bed. And then the next day, we could talk about it. And... I thought about that very moment because you know how angry we can become as parents. And, and, and at that one given moment, I thought to myself, you know, I, I could let him have it. I could. I could. I have all the right to. Or I can look at the long haul and say, you know what? Compared to what he will face in the future, this is so small right now. Now, I'm not saying don't discipline. I'm not saying that. The Bible says it like this. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now, rewind back to his parents and parenting. We have to foresee the danger ahead and take precaution. So there are those instances where we have to debate. We're going to have to really think through in our minds. Is this worth ripping my kid apart? Is it worth it? Is it worth ripping them apart when they make a mistake? What, what, what is it worth? I got to see the danger ahead. I got to see what is God doing in the bigger picture of what's happening in my family. Because if I rip him apart now, he will never call and he will never tell me the truth. Because we always tell our kids, you can tell daddy anything, but that's not true when we rip them apart. Because in their minds, they're thinking, you always said to tell you and be open with you. But when I do, you, you rip me apart. So you know what we teach our kids to do? We teach them how to lie very well. The prudent person foresees that danger ahead and then takes precautions. God gives us wisdom for parenting. But we're the ones that need to apply it. That's the hardest thing in the world. Because we have to find out, okay, do I correct them right now? What do I do? How, how do I discipline them right now? Think the long haul. Think the long haul. That I got to see my kids at 20 years old, 25 years old, being married, having their own kids one day. And, and if they do have their own kids one day, I really want to make sure I have a good relationship with my children for my grandchildren. I got to think the bigger picture. I got to be able to, when my kids are 10 years old, imagine what it will be like when they're in their 30s. Well, we still have a good relationship. Some of them act 30 at 10 years old. So that's not a hard thing to imagine. But it's something that we, we have to look at in the long haul. What will my relationship be like with my children for the rest of my entire life? Otherwise, there's a broken relationship and we don't even have time with our grandkids. But we've got to think the long haul. 
Our kids will make bigger, much more crucial decisions as they become adults. We've got to help them for the long haul of life. Because the relationship is far more important than being right. Well, then how do I do that? How do I, how do I make that kind of decision? Because I, I need to discipline. I need to, I need to uh, correct them. And, and we need to do that. But choose your battles wisely. Choose them wisely. But discipline quickly. And you can write that in number two. Just choose your battles. Choose them. You're going to have to choose the battles. But you're still going to have to discipline quickly. And it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do in parenting. It's a tough thing to do in business. As the boss, you have to make some crucial decisions. It's a tough thing to do as a school teacher. It's a tough thing to do to pick your battles and to discipline quickly. Because everyone does something wrong. There's changes that we go through. Have you ever come to a point in parenting where you just kind of like, you don't really give up, but you just, just, you just kind of just give in and you say, forget it already, I cannot take it anymore. You guys want to fight? Fight. Just go, go at it. I don't care, I'm going to be watching TV or I'm going to go to the beach or I'm going to movies or whatever it is. If you guys want to, you know, demolish each other, go for it. You have my permission. I'm tired already. If they're fighting in the backseat of the car, you say, you know what, if you beat each other up, go for it. I, I, don't, I don't care at this point. You know, sometimes we lose it and we just say, just go for it. And we can come to that stage. And our kids just kind of have their way. Now, there's a balance to that. Because we learn in the Bible that there was a man who had a heart after God's own heart. He had a wonderful heart. He was a great leader. In fact, if you're reading devotions and you're reading through the bookmark that we have, we're actually in this season right now where we're reading about King David and the things that he's been going through with his family. But there's, there's many things that David did so well. But David went on the extreme side instead of... And he, he picked his battles. Remember, he, he fought Goliath at an early age and he won that. He also, he also continued on to be a man of war and he picked certain battles and he was victorious. But there was one battle that he, he lacked in. One area that he, he really... Not that he failed in, but he could have done a lot better. And that was disciplining his kids. It's found in the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It says, About that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting. And Adonijah said this, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Even by asking, why are you doing that? Adonijah had been born next after Absalom, and he was very handsome. You know what principle we can learn here? Good looks don't make any difference at all. You still need discipline. He didn't even ask, why are you doing that? Even something as simple as asking questions makes all the difference. Sometimes I'll ask my kids if they make a decision and it came out to be a bad decision. I'll just ask, what was your thought process? What, did you, what were you thinking? 
What were you thinking? What were you thinking? And, and sometimes they'll say, oh, I just didn't know it was wrong, or I didn't know I was going to get caught, or, or well, I learned that from you, Dad, whatever it would be. But it's at least doing some type of discipline. At least asking them questions. Because our kids need discipline. And we all discipline differently. I understand that. Our culture is different from cultures other pla- in, in other places. So we all discipline differently. When two people get married, they've grown up with both uh, different kinds of disciplines. So you've got to come to an agreement on how you're going to discipline. We were at the airport and uh, there was this uh, one family that I guess they were uh, traveling and visiting uh, Hawaii. And they were asking for directions at the airport. Where do we go from here and this and that. And, and two of their kids were playing on the father's luggage. You know, his baggage. And, and they're jumping on it. And they're just little kids. And, and then dad is saying, hey, you guys got to stop that. And uh, we're just watching this. We're in line. And, and they continuously tell their kids, stop. At least 50 billion times, minimum. Over and over. And Heidi says, they should just lick them. I said, what? She said, yeah, by now. Lickens. I mean, after the third, fourth time, lickens already. I said, yeah, but they, they might discipline differently. I feel her walking forward. And I said, well, where are you going? She goes, I can lick them. I said, you, you can't give them lickens. She goes, why? I, in Hawaii. I said, but... but but they may not understand what you're going to do. And she said, no, they'll thank me. Watch. And I said, no, no, no. And then we talked about discipline. And I thought, we all discipline differently. We discipline differently. But nonetheless, we must discipline. You know, when we were watching this uh, little sketch here with the kids and the father. Boy, doesn't it hit the heart when, when the kids said to the father, well, but you and mom don't do that. I mean, that just, as a parent, that hit home. And I thought, boy, our kids watch us all the time. They're learning from us. They're going to watch us in how we pick the battles and how we discipline. They're going to watch us when we come home and talk about people at work. They're going to listen to us when we talk about our bosses or talk about other people in the family. They're listening. And what are we teaching them? See, punishment, when we punish our kids, punishment is actually a, something that we do for their past fault. That we're mad and we punish them for that. But discipline, discipline is, is that we help them for the future. That's what we're doing. That we're disciplining them for the future. Rather than saying you're punished for this one act of behavior. That we discipline them for their future. Now because we're talking about relationships, that relationships are more important than being right. And I know we're hitting a lot of parent and children. But this also applies to family in general. It also applies to us at work. It applies to us uh, when we meet people. It applies to us in ministry. It applies to our very own daily lifestyle. But it usually starts in the family. It really does. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13.24, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. We've got to choose our battles. But we also have to discipline quickly, promptly. And we do that because we love. We do that because we honor 
And what if you're doing everything that the Bible says? What if you're doing everything to the T, to everything the Bible teaches, and my wife doesn't change, my children don't change, your husband doesn't change, your mom doesn't change, your dad doesn't change, your boss, your co-workers, your students, nobody changes. Well, what do you do at that point? And my parents don't even change. What do you do at that point? You know what Jesus did? Jesus chose love over being right. Jesus chose to love even if we never changed. You know what we can learn from Christ himself? We can learn to love others. You can write in your last point, learn to love others, not try to change them. I mean, I've been with my wife since 1985. 26 years. I still can't change her. I still can't. I try, but it doesn't work. I don't know how long you've been married or if you're in a relationship or even with your children or your parents, but we have to come to the realization that we can't change people. Let me ask you that question. Give me a yes or no. Can you change people? Yes or no? No, you can't. But for some reason, we try. We try to change people. We can encourage people. We can help people, but we can't change them. I remember with my kids, it was always the... Every time I would talk to them or scold them, the end of my sentence was, Yes, Dad. That was the end of my sentence. I would talk to them and say, make sure you do this, do that, do that. Okay, next time, don't do this. You got it? Yes, Dad. And they have to say, yes, Dad. With no heart. They're only repeating what I have to say. I could tell there was no heart. They would just kind of, yes, Dad. Not yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. And they would have, yes, Dad. Like they have to say it with joy after they got dirty lickings. <laughs> they can't. But I, well, you know when I was teaching my kids, when I would say, yes, say, yes, dad, yes, dad, yes, mom, yes, dad. It was, I was teaching them to perform in front of me. Rather than learning to change the heart. And so our kids grow up with that. And you know what they start to do? They start to perform rather than be transformed in their heart. And so we live 30, 40 years just performing in front of people. We call it having a facade. And you know what actually happens? A reversal happens. Now it's no longer relationships are important. It's whoever's right that is more important than relationship. From Jesus at the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, to where we are today, we've reversed the very words of Jesus Christ. And now we say it's whoever's right rather than the relationship. And Jesus is saying, you, you got that opposite. I understand respect and obedience and, and, and honor, and, but, but I think that we need to be more concerned about loving others rather than trying to change them. Because God is the one that changed us. People encouraged us. People helped us to understand God better. But it was God who changed us from the inside out. And did you know that the most important thing that we can do for others is not necessarily try to change them, but it's to love them past their faults. 
is to continuously love them. Now look at how the Bible talks about us as men and women. Now I'll go through the men and women because it actually comes from us as men and women or us as parents or, or a married couple. Proverbs 21 verse 9, and I'll kind of breeze through these because they almost say the same thing. But it said, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Easy, husbands, easy. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 15, it says, A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like... This is in the Bible, okay? So don't, don't be throwing stuff at me. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. Stopping her complaints. I love this one. I'm not picking on the wives, okay? Because I'll get to us husbands. Believe me. Sometime in the future. Proverbs 21.19. It said, It's better to live alone in the desert. In the desert. Than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Here's the picture. Imagine that you're in a desert, thirsting for water. And you're dying. You're just dying. Now you have the choice, this is what the Bible is saying, you have the choice to go back to your wife at home, who's a complainer and who's quarrelsome, whoever just starts arguments, and you're dying in the desert, you're, you're crawling by now. Water, water, I need water. And then all of a sudden you hear a helicopter, and it's just, in, and you're just dying. Water, water, water. And you see the helicopter, and you're looking at me. And now here's the guys in the helicopter, and they're, they're calling down. They're saying, Sheldon, we're rescuing you. Just give, just give me water, water. And they're saying, we have water. In fact, your wife is at home. She's making purified water for you. Leave me. <laughs> Just leave me. That's what the Bible is saying. The Bible, the Bible is saying it's more important. or it's, it's like you'd rather die in the desert from thirst than being at home with purified water with your spouse who complains. Imagine that. The Bible is saying that. What was I talking about? Learn to love others. Learn. And the Bible is giving us just a clear principle of when the relationship is less important than being right. It's like we don't even want to live with one another. Even though we may have a lovely home, a wonderful house, even though the bills are being paid, even though things are beautiful, but because we figure, well, relationships aren't as important as being right, we die in our very own families. I said this scripture earlier, but in Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now notice in all of these scriptures, it says nothing about changing them. But it does give us a principle in which to live by. 
It does give us a way to live that is better than being right. The Bible doesn't say to leave them. It's, it's giving us a condition in which we'll live when we forget how important relationships are. That we can actually we can actually become the best family God created us to be. You know what the Bible is saying in these scriptures for us as parents? The most important thing that we can do for our children, even when they're adults, even when they grow up and, 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 and move out of the home, or even if they're still living with you, the most important thing we can do as parents is love one another as husband and wife. Because it's that relationship alone that will prove to our kids how great God is. And if God cannot be great in our marriage, you know how long it's going to take our, kid, our kids to become convinced that God is a God who heals? That God is a God about relationships? You know how hard it is for our kids to come to that realization? It's going to take them years. Relationships are far more important than being right. When I'm a husband who gives up my life for my wife, or as a wife, your submissiveness to your husband, when we are that kind of people, God refreshes us, but it doesn't just stop there. It continues on to our family, children, our work environment, even if you're in school or in college, or you move away somewhere, it refreshes people everywhere. Because that's the true value of Ohana. Amen? You can close your Bibles. No, today is water baptism. And some of you have never made that that decision to be water baptized and and water baptism is all about relationship. It's about our relationship with God Himself. That we're publicly letting everybody know that I have a relationship with God. People will be down there, they'll be watching. Some of us will be cheering on those that are choosing to be water baptized. But you're going to battle. You're going to battle with, should I or should I not? Or, well, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've never gotten water baptized, so no sense. But God may be speaking to you and saying, but that, it's not about if you did or didn't. It's what I'm asking you to do today. It's all about relationship. There was a horrible experiment that took place years ago by Emperor Frederick who ruled the Roman Empire in the 13th century. And the experiment, the experiment was to see what was the natural or the common language of man. Was it Hebrew, Latin, Greek? What was, the, what was the original language of mankind? And so he actually, he actually separated two groups of babies. In one group, the nurses were told not to speak to the kids, not to speak to the babies. Not to teach them any language. 
And they chose to, even though it was difficult. The horrible thing in this experiment is after a couple months, all the babies died. Every single one. It wasn't because they were sick or there was a disease or by someone's fault. But the experiment found that they lacked human voice. They lacked that. You know, the most important voice in the world is the voice of God. That when we lack hearing His voice, our spirits die. God is saying to us today, relationship is more important than being right. He knows that more than anybody else and sent us Jesus to prove to us the value of Ohana. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're at a place in our life where many things change. But you never change. You've given us the freedom to choose. The freedom to become better parents, better children, a better husband, a better wife, better grandparents. Just better people. And our prayer, Lord, is to, is to hear your voice because that's the most important voice in the world. And our relationship with you was so important that it wasn't about who was right or wrong in your sight. You just loved us unconditionally. Lord, help us to be the same. Help us to think the long haul. Help us to think through our entire life, not just the moment. That we would, yes, pick our battles, but discipline. We need to do that. But to be people who love others and not try to change people. That's your responsibility. Maybe not step in your way. I pray for each person here this morning that as we learn and grow together, that we would understand that relationships are far more important than being right. Because that adds value to every single ohana. In your precious and powerful name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.